0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Hackers and Hackzen podcast. You're about to join Erica, Jax, and John for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: to all our hackers and Hexen listeners who have been following us since the first part of 2021. Today is episode 26, and it has been a journey thus far. We have been able to connect with and share the stories of so many leaders in the cybersecurity world. Today, we offer you yet another amazing story with someone who brings his full self to the table 100% of the time. Stefan Simmelroth is a cybersecurity thought leader, streamer on all of the platforms, avid runner, West Point grad, army ranger, award-winning cyber partner, and a friend, mentor, advocate for many of us in the cybersecurity community. Stefan, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. Uh,
2: you always pump me up. So it's it you know, that's a street that goes both ways. And uh let's get going. Let's let's change the world. Game on. Oh
1: my gosh. We're so excited to have you. It it took us about gosh, like a month and a half to even get you on the show. You are such an advocate for uplifting so many people in the cybersecurity secu- cyber community with your post and the different things that you do on social media. But before we really dive into the meats of this discussion, I would love for you to share with the listeners a little bit more about who you are and how you got to where you're at today.
2: Ooh, well, those are two different questions. So I'll, <laughs> I'll thread the needle between the two of them. Um, so I think that the easier one to answer is, is how I got to where I'm at today. So uh, <laughs> I started trying to get into tech before I could drive, literally before I could drive. So I was, um, my, my hometown of Northern Illinois, uh, there were a few different tech companies that were there, and this is, you know, going back, uh, we'll, we'll just say more than 20 years, um, and I would reach out to CEOs at the companies and basically ask to come be an intern hey, come let me intern for you. You know, I'll work for free or maybe like, I think minimum wage is like $4.25 an hour back then. Um, and the CEOs were taking my calls and they were letting me come in and, and actually interview. Uh, it was probably because I was, you know, like four feet tall at the time. And uh, there's just you know, an interesting thing for them. Uh, and what, what they told me was, come back when you know how to drive. <laughs> that's, that's, that's too long, I don't want to wait that long. <clears throat> so uh, eventually I got picked up in my, my first tech role uh, just as, a, as an IT technician, uh, running cables, formatting stuff, doing processor upgrades, doing a little bit of the domain work, learning how to subnet, you know, basic IT stuff back in the day. Um, and that was when I responded to my first cyber incident. So the, the Nimda worm hit the network, Went around. We burned down subnet by subnet by subnet by subnet and stood them back up and stood them back up and stood them back up. And what do you think it did? It came right back behind us. Uh, so that was that was twenty years ago now, more than twenty years. And uh, the the funny thing is, the questions that I asked then are still very much like eighty percent the same questions that I ask now when when clients have breaches <laughs> when they have incidents. Uh, so that. You know what we do really hasn't changed, just the context of which we we changed, a uh, context, context in which we do it changed. But that took me when uh when that internship kind of ended, I went over to another internship which uh, was effectively a sales engineering role, which really opened up my my perspective to what you do, how you do it, how you build a community in the space, what is the technology underpinning all of that? What does the handoff between sales and engineering look like? Um, a lot of a lot of questions that again I I didn't fully appreciate at the time, but they're still still fundamental to what we do today, and it's it ties into a lot of the coaching and mentoring that I do now. And then um, I like hard problems. So that's what took me to West Point. So I applied to West Point, got in, and then when you're there, you have to choose your major and it's an engineering school, and I'd already done IT, and I said, let's go electrical engineering, because that's, in my mind, one of the most difficult things you can do. Boom, electrical engineering. Graduated, still like hard problems, so I picked the infantry, knowing that I was like 80% chance of going to combat. Hey, pick me, I'll go. That took me to ranger school, and when I got, there, this, is, this is funny, when I got to ranger school, I, my unit was already in Afghanistan. I had not met my unit yet. So I literally had to go through without recycling, without repeating a phase or getting dropped, straight through uh, by the skin of my teeth, made it out the backside, graduated, uh, went cross country, got to my unit, and I literally got there in time for the last flight to Afghanistan. Oh, uh, those experiences uh, certainly have shaped my worldview and uh i'm starting starting to now talk about those experiences with other veterans in the space to to help them work through any any issues or trauma they might have so that's that's something that's always a challenge but uh it's also exciting to be able to help other people and then um after being back for about a year and a half back here stateside i had this agreement with my platoon sergeant and i told him you know cause you have to be candid. We're like, we are a team. I told him, um, I am in serious pain. I don't know what it is. Uh, I know, I know exactly when it started, but I don't know what it is. I've been to chiropractic for a year and physical therapy for a year. Um, you can know I'm in pain, but we're going to keep this between us and I will keep doing the things that I'm doing I will still be a leader. I'll still be out front. I will still, you know, motivate, drive, and get to where we need to go as, as an organization. Um, but when the guys can see that I'm in pain, that's when I know I need to go punch somebody in the face and really figure out what's going on. One day, I came back in from our, our morning workout, and uh, my squad leaders were all sitting there, my platoon sergeant, and they looked at me, and they said, hey, sir, it's time. That was on a Tuesday morning. By Friday afternoon, I had already found out that I had broken my back in Afghanistan and that I was uh, already switched from my platoon up to staff. So, went up to staff. It's funny, funny story here uh, because there's, because everything bad that happens is actually a good story in disguise. So, I finally, like, I go in and I get in a, a, a big argument with our, our position's assistant he finally says okay maybe there's a thing here um i get the right x-rays and as i'm waiting for the x-ray results to come out i'm standing there with the x-ray tech x-ray techs are not supposed to not supposed to uh say anything they're just supposed to give you good image bad image thumbs up do we need to take this again or not well we're we're sitting there talking and the uh the x-rays pop up on the screen and <laughs> he his response was and I'm not going to say the actual words that he said, but it was, "Daisy, sir, you're screwed."
3: So that was when I knew I had a long road ahead of me. <laughs> and uh,
2: after that, um, did one more one more small little mission training exercise with the the battalion. Went up to corps level staff, and that was where um, I had a uh, reconstructive back surgery. So I had a spinal fusion and what the what the surgeon found out when he was was working on me was that um I only uh, there's four grades to this particular fracture, and I was only a grade one. but when he was working on me, he found that I literally had bone spurs growing into my nerves, which is as painful as it sounds <laughs> so so he cleaned out the bone spurs. <clears throat> and um you know, I, I woke up was uh was laying in bed uh afterwards you know recovering and my surgeon is hilarious he is an absolute jokester he's hilarious like he made he made this process easy because of the humor that he brought to the table um so when he comes through he was standing at the foot of my bed and i, I couldn't see him cuz you know my my feet are up in front of me and the blankets are on top of the feet and, I, and he goes okay, can you feel this? I said, oh, doc, you're kidding me, come on, come on. He goes, no, really, can you feel this? And I go, "Are are you still joking?
3: And he goes, okay, you're paralyzed. It'll probably come back. Oh, oh, huh. well, well, we'll figure
2: this out. Maybe it's pride or just pure confidence. I don't know, but I said, We'll just figure this out uh thankfully forty eight hours later, I could feel my legs again, learned to walk again, um got up moving around uh and honestly, for anybody that that is that that might have to go through something like this, the worst part about your first week is not being able to poop. <laughs> that is the worst part. Oh. <laughs> So overcame that obstacle as well. Um, tell me about the time you overcame adversity. Well, I couldn't poop for a week one time. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, oh my gosh. This is making, okay. First off, I'm hurting, but I'm also resonating with this far too well. Um, you didn't know this before you hopped on the call, but I have had quite the year and I'm I'm actually relearning how to walk right now. No so, way. Yeah, so I'm recovering from a, a, a leg realignment surgery, a very uncommon procedure. Um, it was a growth uh, deformity that took 14 years of surgeries to uh, identify. Um, I'm on month five of no walking, but I'm learning how to walk again. And so I totally understand, you know, the ups and downs of that process. And as you were telling that story, I mean, I was not only feeling, feeling your pain, to an uncomfortable degree, <laughs> but also I was just imagining the flood of emotions that you must have felt as, you know, what you knew to be your life, you know, was being rocked, right. And that adversity that kind of led you to making a pivot, like an important pivot in your life that you knew needed to happen. But sometimes these opportunities, as you, as you mentioned, like stories come out of it, but also a lot of growth and healing that comes out of these things that help you pivot into the next role, the next, you know, path that you're taking. So I think this is a really, really cool time to pivot into kind of what led you to being this influencer that you are today, (laughs) right? So out of, you know, out of this adversity came probably a lot of decisions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of what am I going to do now, right? um, after your last mission. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive into, you know, you have a lot of followers. I mean, you have been blowing up. Your content is popping, you know, what kind of led you to, uh, to kind of seek this out and, or was it an accident? I mean, I want to just know more about what led you to becoming a cyber influencer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that the, the pivot there for me was, you know, what was coming out of that surgery And realizing that I can, so I I had really tied up a, a substantial portion of my own identity with being an infantryman. With carrying heavy things very far in order to protect and defend the United States. And when I could no longer carry heavy things or move even a short distance. Or I was literally afraid at that point After surgery, of firing my own personal weapon, because the kick from the weapon hurt. So, wrapping wrapping into that identity, um, you know, I I started started looking at exploring what would be fun again, and uh, going back to those experiences from twenty years ago of cyber incidents, and I I put in my packet to the Cyber Corps, and when I did that. I was literally still high as hell on opiates after back surgery. Like that's, that's how short after, because the window was about to close.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, so here I am like pupils, the size of dinner plates, (laughs) Uh, putting in this packet and and I ended up getting picked up. So that was uh, an interesting process. And the, the force there, when I went down, um, at that point I was finishing my master's of engineering because I didn't know if the army was going to keep me in or not. And by the last semester of my master's of engineering, I realized I don't want to be an engineer. That is, I am good at it. Don't get me wrong. But it is not what I'm best at. And so then I, I took 30 days off and started my MBA <laughs> while I'm working full time. Um, you know, now working in the cyber industry and going from continent to continent to, to solve big problems, um, or at least do my part to solve those problems. And as I'm going through the MBA, I'm taking stock of what I'm going to do because I still don't know if the army is going to retain me. Well, what, what is my unfair advantage in this space? And it is my relationships. Okay, if that's my unfair advantage is relationships and the market has a need for people that can do what I do, but I don't want to do to work, <laughs> then how do I how do I turn that into a business model? And so that's that's where the idea of recruiting came in. And I reached out to some of the bigger recruiting firms, and they didn't know what to do with cyber officers and so that that kind of cemented the excuse me cemented the idea and so I launched the the cyber recruiting company and um, I started off you know as a shop of one and I had a couple interns, and I was just bringing on um, a, a full- time employee and a big part of that required me to go out. Like I knew delivery. Delivery was easy, right? All you had to do is have strategy, plan, action, execute, game on. Um, What I didn't know at that point was sales and marketing. So I had to go out and learn sales and marketing. So my my first 17 clients that I had for the company were all either directly tied to my own personal network or one step adjacent to it through a warm introduction. It wasn't until client number 18 that I figured out how to do marketing. And then I figured, okay, if I, if I finally figured that out, what's the next step? So between, between what the market needed for cyber professionals and security professionals and you know, uh, work roles adjacent to that, um, and then knowing the capability and potential of, my, of, the, of the population that I'm serving, which is primarily veterans in cyber, IT, military intelligence, or tech, how do I close that gap? If I'm going to really do this, how do I close that gap? And a big part of that was education. So building things like um, cheat sheets on how to learn C, C language, building cheat sheets on how to learn go. and basically building the population that the market needs based off of potential, and closing closing that gap and closing that gap and closing that gap. And then as you build things like that and you know put put out work into the space, it kind of grows as a marketing function and you start to get churn. And then it part of it was intentional, but probably 60% of it was because I'm out making the industry, actively trying to make the industry better and get more people into cyber. And then eventually I just said, uh, this this needs to be its own formal line of effort because uh, I was very frustrated with many voices in the community, not y'all's, I was very frustrated with many of the voices in the community that said, if you want to get into cyber, you must go a plus and then net plus and then sec And you have to go down the technical route because that was the route that I got there. And no, that's just so wrong. There's so many non-technical routes. And we need so many more people into it. So how do we take this, that something that's very complex and broad, incredibly broad. And how do we make it down to bite-sized consumable appetizing nodes that Non-technical people can understand that they do not have to be rocket scientists to sell rockets.
1: So true. Yeah. The We are very good in the cybersecurity community about... Making it seem that to get into an entry level position, you have to be extremely technical um, and have that technical background. That was when I joined from the military side and going into the civilian side, I was that route of like a plus because that's what the military does. A plus that's what they told us to do. Yep. They're all very um, certification heavy. And when I got out and then meeting Erica and other people in the sector, I realized there's just a whole myriad of different avenues that you can go down and I'm, I'm a huge cybersecurity, uh, like policy and law that's I love that kind of stuff. I'm just a big nerd in it. And I've got my technical side, but it's not, that wasn't the avenue. And I was forcing myself into that position. And I realized that I'm good, like you, I'm good at it, but I'm not great at it. So where can I pivot into and I can become great? And that's what I love about your content and what you put out is you really put out a lot of information to educate the the general community and to teach them that there are different ways of approaching cybersecurity secu- cyber and getting into the industry. And you see that through your posts. That's why I really like, I don't know how we connected. I think it was through mutual connections like Josh and Gerald. Mm -hmm. And I really started paying attention to the content you started putting out. And what I really liked is you not only put content out, but you uplift others around you as you do it. Um, Typically when you share something on LinkedIn, you almost always tag somebody in it and you're, you're bringing in the community as you're sharing this content. And what I have seen, and you can crack me if I'm wrong, You've created kind of your own tribe in your own community, on your own, through your own thought leadership. And so what I'm curious is, is this something that was just natural for you coming out of the military and being a natural leader and then moving into this space and starting to push yourself into the cyber in, influencer space? Was this something you just naturally started doing or did you were you conscious about it? Were you like, I'm going to make this post. I'm going to tag these people. I'm, I'm curious on that. Yeah, well first off, uh, thank you for consuming the content I, I
2: put out. Um, uh, and I, and I'm glad that it, I, I, I'm glad when it hits the, the bar that I've set for myself and hits the target audience. So, so thank you for that feedback. Um, cause I, that's, that's one of the number one goals is to make, make content that helps mature the industry and helps get more people into it. Um, so it, a couple of the things there is, uh, When, when I look at, when I look at building content, um, or, or producing content, you know, I've, I've effectively been on different stages or in front of people my whole life and being from the Midwest, you know, we try to give credit where credit's due. So that's something that's been ingrained in me for a long time. So when somebody does something amazing, let's just highlight it. Let's just say that, you know, like, here's an example. I mentioned the C cheat sheet and the, the GoLang cheat sheet that I built. That was we. That was me and Sean Iyer. It was my idea. I wanted it. I started it off. Um, Sean was the one that did the vast majority of the work on there. So if you look at it, it should be still by Sean Iyer and Stefan Sumaroff, not Stefan Sumaroff, and specifically with Sean's name first. So when we, when we do that, um, what I want people to know when they, when they walk away from my content is that this is an industry and a market segment and a population and um, a, and a great community, that it's not just a couple people that are awesome. It's a lot of people that are awesome and a lot of people that are putting significant time into it and a lot of people that are investing so heavily to make the community a better place. And that's why we see so many nonprofits. Uh, so many non-for-profits as well. <clears throat> A lot of people just giving back to make sure that that we move forward as an industry and share their thoughts. And the um, you know, one of one of my big goals is to get more people in the industry. And we don't do that by highlighting ourselves, we do that by highlighting other people and their triumph. And it's just fun. Like I, I also love, so, so gratitude is one of the strongest emotions. Let's show gratitude. It just feels better.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> totally. Stefan, and this is a, first off, I got to say, your energy is awesome. It's so powerful. What you bring to the table is like, I mean, it's contagious. Jax and I are super hyped up over here, obviously. Um, this is a great pivot to your to my next question because I know that this is something that, really, I can tell you're really comfortable, really passionate about it. Um, I want to see, you know, for some people out there that are struggling with the fear of, you know, publishing content or have the fear of, you know, what if I put myself out there and, you know, I don't get as many likes as I would have liked to or the visibility or the, you know, those stepping stones, right? Those growing pains, they're scared of other opinions and a lot of other factors, right? So, what advice do you have for those people and how to kind of break out of that shell and learn from some of that infectious energy that you have and push that out?
2: Okay. There's so much there. The easiest thing that I'll say is when you put out content, put it out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn wants to build you up. There are other social media channels that the community doesn't always do that. So there, there are, you know there's channels here where I still will put content on because engaging those communities are good and we don't want to be an echo chamber and I need people to challenge my opinions and my assumptions but I predominantly go to social media channels where the community is strong and the community wants to see you succeed and they don't just lambast you with their own negativity cuz that's not healthy and if I you know some of the other streams I don't want to call them out on, on on this channel when I look at some of those um they just tear me down. I don't want to be torn down. I'll be lifted up. That's what I want. So the other side of the house is um, why don't I walk you quickly through through my journey on, on video because I think it's I think it's relevant now more than ever. Let's do it. So the the first piece was, um, I you know, as as a former engineer as a recovering engineer, I spent a lot of time trying to make effectively what turned out to be educational videos. And it was really hard for me, like it wasn't jiving for me. It wasn't really hitting me as a person to make educational videos, like how-to videos. Fine, still, still have some, they're still useful. Um, but I, there was missing a piece there, I'll come back to that. The second thing was, um, I was trying to do what I thought was the right type of media which was eight to 12 minute videos, um, very well produced with good B roll, with right sound quality. And I was getting frustrated by the equipment that I had. I was getting frustrated by the workflow. So if anybody wants to make a startup around those things, go for it, please, by all means, I'll be a strategic investor, let's go. Um, Then I kept running into these roadblocks that by the time I I get this amazing 10 minute video out, and I'd watch it when I'm done. And I just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel great to me. I would be too critical of it. And I'd throw my hands up and I'd just be frustrated. And so that frustration finally came to a point one day when I was, I was uh, out running again, finally. Um, in which Erica, you and I can talk about that. I will gladly share the number of times that I failed walk to run programs. Yes, please. I will open up, <laughs> share all of it for you. Can't wait. Um, So I'm out, I'm out on a, a jog and um jogs and runs used to be my and they still often are my like contemplation my introspection figuring out what's right in the world what are the things that are wrong that i want to change about the world um and and, and any of my business partners know that if they if they get a call for me while i'm on a run it's cuz i just had an epiphany or two um so i'm out on this run and i'm just pissed off that i'm not making content that i want to make and it's not resonating with me. And if it doesn't resonate with me, it's not going to resonate with anyone. So I said, uh, oh, and then uh, there's another piece of uh, Fran doing. Ran, uh, ran Rubica for a while. And I, I'm not sure what she's doing right now. Fran, if you're listening to this, you're amazing. Uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Let me know what you're doing, how, can, how I can help. But Fran was uh, putting out five times more videos than I was. And it was just her in front of a wall talking about things that I liked. And so I'm like, I'm I'm out here, I'm on a run, I've got my phone with me. Um, and I looked down, I said, if Fran can do it and just put out anything, then I can do it. So I literally just turned on the camera and recorded myself talking. I don't even know what I talked about. Couldn't even tell you. But it was something that I was passionate about, and I got home. And I hit upload. Boom. And I don't know if it was the content or the passion or what, but it started to get engagement. And uh, very quickly, I realized that it's not an either or thing. I don't have to work out or make content. I can do both literally at the same time. It's more convenient for my schedule. <clears throat> and when you, when you start combining it, um, it very quickly turned into a brand. It turned into a brand thing. And the feedback that I was getting from the community was, please keep doing this. You're highlighting things that are important. And so I try to I try to do a good mix of short form and long form because people that want to get in the industry, they only want 15-second kits of content. What is the nugget they need? So let's feed them. Let's feed them. Let's, now we've got a seed plant and let's water it. And then as we start to build that garden, we have to have long form content as well, like you all are doing. So that was where um, <clears throat> that, I, that idea kind of came together. And then uh, certainly not culmination, but a big milestone of that was this past weekend, Jackson, when you showed up uh, and I did, a, I did a full half marathon live streamed from my phone, cyber AMA, literally asked me anything. And uh, it was one of the most fun events that I have done for me individually. And uh, we, we got to answer a lot of questions that people have in the community. And we had a number of amazing guests on as well that uh, that that brought a lot of great insight and uh, trying to figure out how we can we can up up the ante next time.
1: Yeah, that AMA was really impressive, and you were running at a very respectful rate of great <laughs> pace while answering all of the questions. It wow, I was extremely impressed. And then knowing your background and where you've come from being paralyzed to now running and doing these calls. I'm, I am I want to know, though, the first time you ever did one of your, because you're known for your your running and your mentor calls. How did that go the first time you did one of your mentor calls as you were running? Was it pretty smooth and fluid, like just like popped into mind? Hey, I'm just going to do a mentor call now.
2: Yeah, so it, it actually was very fluid because I had, um, uh, I'm unabashedly me, first off. Uh so I had been doing some business calls and like when I was recruiting, um, when I when I still owned the recruiting company before I sold it, I actually spent uh I, I would go out on runs sometimes on long runs and I'd bring like an index card with me of all the candidates I wanted to call while I was out. And I I got yeah, you know, I got a, a Bluetooth headset with uh you know the fuzzy thing for the wind on it. Uh, I forget what the actual name is, but the audiovisual industry calls them dead cats. (laughs) I don't know why. Probably because they look like a dead cat. But yeah, Um, so i had been doing that for a while. And then, you know, I I looked at it one day and I just go, I'm mentoring. I don't have to be perfect on this. I don't have to have a perfectly sculpted background with an F1.4 lens. Uh, Let's just go out. And if I don't, like, I have to run today. I have to. So I said, "Hey, I'm on. A, I'm on a run. We either talk or we don't." And I've never, literally, never had a person say,
3: "No, I don't want to talk right now." Ever. And that's in, uh, probably around 300 calls. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is a lot. A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stefan, I I feel like we could continue to share stories and talk for the next two hours, Um, but unfortunately, we got to wrap it up here. So Stefan, we've really enjoyed all of the insights, all of the stories that you've shared like I said earlier, your energy and then your stories, I mean they're just so powerful and I'm really excited for our listeners to get a chance to learn more about you. And if they are interested in contacting you or following more of your journey, um, you know being being a fan of your content, right? how, how can they get a hold of you? What's the best way? LinkedIn, email, Twitter, Twitch, whatever.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn. And I like, right. to, I like to show uh, my sales team that my score tends to be higher than theirs on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not comp- it's not a competition. It's definitely a competition. Uh, I'm most active on on there. And um, it is very rare that I remove a connection. So absolutely connect with me. Um, even if we can't talk one-on-one, you know, on, on audio, visual, or camera, or whatever, I still try to answer the occasional questions. And for anybody that's listening, if, if you have a commonly asked question, uh, I will send you commonly asked answered questions in video form whatever form that I or or articles that I may have already answered so that way you can just go after it and there's usually you know links in there because I I think giving advice is easy giving homework is hard and I like to give homework so it's usually sculpted for for the person self um YouTube as well I'm uh I try to post a, a bunch of videos a week on YouTube uh definitely definitely check me out there Twitter as well, and then uh, we are live streaming to Discord um, and Instagram. So I hit I hit most of them, but LinkedIn LinkedIn is where I'm very 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 active.
3: Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that I uh, I gather all those handles from you offline, and for our listeners, those will be live on whatever streaming platform of choice you're listening to the story on. Thank you. All and right. I-
2: as we as we close out, one thing that I want to leave the audience is is again, you do not have to have a Ph.D. in cybersecurity to join the community. You can join the community simply by showing up, check out, look, look for local conferences, look for local networking events, look for, you know, the various community activism groups that are out there and literally just show up, whether it's in person or virtual. Just show up and start asking questions. And, and what I like to tell people, especially introverts, because uh, it's it's about 95% of the people that I mentor are introverts, by the numbers. Um, all you have to do is pick one or two events a week, show up, and every one of those events, try to get one to two in-person, if possible, or remote coffee talks, 30 minutes. By the end of a year, you will have built a local community where you're at by at least 100 people in the space that you want. And if you do that, you will get in the community faster than any other route because it is about people.
1: I love that. That is wonderful advice. Thank you, Stefan. All right. That is it. We're closing out. Thank you again for being our guest on Hackers and Hexans. See you on LinkedIn. Happy day.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hackers and Hacks Hackzen Podcast with Erica, Jax, and John. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity and society.